BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I don't want to be a bird far, far away. I want to be a bird right here. Yeah, but I would love to get some magic shoes. <laughs> I would love some magic <laughs> shoes. Man, um, I almost bought Henry some moon boots, but I think he'd be scared of them. I want the, uh, do you remember the, the, the Nickelodeon era moon shoes? That, oh, yeah. That are definitely death traps. I think that they all are, but I think that they all are for anyone over the age of 12. Remember pogo balls? Excuse me? <laughs> Is that like something you call somebody? Hey, pogo <laughs> balls, get over here. I guess it could be a, a, a slur. <laughs> um, no, they were the things. Uh, never. You know what? This has nothing to do with the end. <laughs> they don't have pogo balls there, but they were fun. Somebody remembers pogo balls out there. I know they do. No, I feel like i got to look up what pogo balls are. Yeah, look are. it up. Look it up. Hmm. Oh, pogo balls. Pogo balls is what you call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, now everyone's going to look up pogo balls and everyone at the same time is going to go, oh, yeah, I remember pogo balls. Yep. All right. And that's how we get you horny. Get you. That, man, if that, there is a way to start off horny as the Dickens. It's talking pogo balls, y'all. Oh, baby. Um, I am. You've got this fucking awesome cape on, and oh, I. I'm sorry, you're talking about my cloak. Please refer to it as a cloak. I'm sorry, a cloak, a cloak. Uh, I am very excited to not be in spring court wear for that much longer. Um, I tried to find the perfect shirt for night court that that she's describing, and I found one online, but it was a very fancy lady shirt, and I could not justify mm. purchasing it. I appreciate that you've stuck with Spring Court this entire time. As a goth bitch, I I can't live without the night court fashion. No, I'm very uncomfortable Fashion, in these, please. These fashions. Um, it's not good for my coloring. I'm going to have to give these away, I think, pretty soon, because I, I don't want Give them away! Get them away from me! Um, so, we are... Now we're we're into 
fully into a court of mist and fury. Take me to the night court. Do we want to go yet? We don't know. Take me to the night court. We don't know if we want to go to the night court. Fuck me in the pussy. Hmm. Well, we know how Jackie feels at the very least about the night court, don't we? Um, but for now, spring also just isn't my season. As someone that has ridiculous allergies, spring has never been my season. I know it's beautiful, rebirth, sure. Get the bunnies out, get them to fucking fine. But everything about the spring has never been my thing. I do love the flowers. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, <laughs> that's my birthday season too. So. Oh, I'm sorry, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love this. Spring. How dare you! <laughs> During my birthday season, <laughs> I celebrate a birthday season every year. People love it. People, I love it. I'm down. I'm down to go wherever you want me to go for your birthday season. Okay, cool. It's coming up. We're about it. We're about in it. Yeah, um, I'm getting. I'm preparing myself. <laughs> Good. Uh, we have returned from the night court, or from. I'm sorry. I should say the Moonstone uh, Mountain Castle. Now, oh, just saying Moonstone, mm-hmm. Mountain Castle. It already does just have a sexy ring to Good it. Good Lord. So, Favor's back in Tamlin's arms and returns safely to the spring court. She gets but one day of dallying and frolicking before Tamlin has to leave on Lord's business. She doesn't bother asking to come this time. So, she's left with. Yeah, she'll come a little bit later. She will. She got one dallying day in, and then he has to go do his things. So she's stuck with Ianthi again, who, if you recall, in the last episode, we were discussing how while Pharaoh was at the Moonstone Palace, they got word that there was a slaughter of priestesses, and it was seeming to be somebody sending a message. Pharaoh can't tell if Ianthi's heard this, and she won't bring it up and Ionthi's not bringing it up so they're all just acting like there wasn't just a huge slaughter of her friends. That's great. You know what? Don't communicate about that. Mm-hmm. Don't Let's not talk about our feelings. If there's one thing that is very good at it is not talking about her shit. It's true. Um, and if a bunch of your colleagues are slaughtered just don't bring it up. Yeah, it's like it didn't happen. What am I upset? Nah. Don't ever say that about the LPN. No. Natalie, I'd be very upset. Oh God. I don't like this conversation. I did it. It's my fault. So they just kind of go about their their spring court way where Ianthi's kind of keeping Feyre company, her lady-in-waiting, while Tamlin's doing God knows what. Except this whole time, though, it's like, okay, she's acting as a lady-in-waiting to her. But I was like, isn't she like a really powerful priestess? Why is she acting like this? Well, we don't know yet, but we will find out more about her through the stories. And there may or may not be reasons that she is, you know, taking her time here in the spring court. Mm. Hmm, interesting. Never trust a woman. That's what I always say. Yes. That's, if there's anything <laughs> to take away from these books. <laughs> Never trust a woman. They're too clever for their own good. <laughs> that's what we get when we teach them to read. So... This is ti- there is a time to thrive and there is a time to tithe. And Tamlin is thriving and tithing. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Except I don't do any tithing. I think the only tithing I do is I give it up to like Costco. I guess does that mean I tithe to Costco? I believe no, in Costco. No, because because you are actually getting benefits from that tithing. 
I always want to say it like tithe. Tango to the tithe. When I tithe to Costco, though, it's only two fifty for the hot dog. Is it? It's, that's so you're getting the benefit. Yeah. I was I was actually curious because I said last episode that tithing I thought was some church bullshit, and I wanted to see where tithing actually originated, yeah, and I was take not me incorrect. To the tithe. tithe is actually Old English for tenth. And it dates all the way back to the Mesopotamia BC days, back in the olden times. Um, But more in recent recent ancient history, I should say, is directly connected to church giving, a form of taxation, but it's really easily corruptible. And it's sort of just like, uh, give me some money for good luck. Man, whenever they ch- pass that basket around in church, I, all I could think of was like, it would be so easy, I would assume, if you don't believe in the Lord's eye, to just take out of that basket. I'm sure people do. Gotta palm out the basket. I never did, but I'm terrified of breaking the rules. Or in coming to America, you can just put your chicken wings in it when you're done. Oh, yeah, put the bones in put it. The That's bones my bones bow. Bones bowl. Um, <clears throat> yeah, here's your 10%. Here's my chicken bones. 10% of this chicken. <laughs> it's the bones. Uh, so as we'll see in these coming chapters, teething can go from a system of communal sharing of goods to becoming a form of worship or superstition in the real world, too. And it's where the people at the top get all the fats and the people at the bottom get the scraps, mm. even when the people at the top have zero use for the goods and money that they're receiving. I want the fats. See, if you're at the top, you want, you would hope you'd give some of the fats to the people, too, you know? Um, it's almost like you have too many fats, and you don't even need all the fats, and you throw them in the garbage. So what you're saying is Tamlin is not a man of the people. Well, so he's he's practicing this thing that his, you know, ancestors did, and it is that sort of, oh, well, it's the way it's always been done, which a lot of times leads to some really corrupt stuff. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it can be a way to exert control over a population and you promise them something like, oh, you get, you're going to have good weather if you give me money. <laughs> um, so They ain't control the weather. I know that because I took one year of meteorology school. And that's all you need to know. You don't need to be tithing. Mm-hmm. So they are practicing this sort of corruptible, like prosperity gospel kind of thing here in the Supreme Court. They've made this, maintained this tradition of stepping on the poor. Uh, by acquiring this tithe twice a year that for many will be of great consequence to their family. So here we have Feyre seated next to her betrothed with Ianthi hovering nearby. So it's the three of them at this like throne receiving room. Feyre has been instructed to simply be the presence there, a united front with her lord and their high priestess. She obliges, but we as the reader have insight into her head and she's really uncomfortable with all of this. After several hours of accepting gifts and their tears and their gratitude and their, you know, kissing the foots, uh, a nude, gray-skinned fairy with black hair and eyes and firm, high breasts approaches. On behalf of the waterways, I greet thee, high lord, she said, her voice strange and hissing, her full, sensuous lips revealing teeth as sharp and jagged as a pike's. The sharp angles of her face accentuated these coal black eyes. So we learn that this this uh, water wraith is a sort of fae who lives in the ponds and lakes around the spring court. And they're sort of stop thinking about her lips. 
And her firm high breasts. Yeah, her firm high breasts and her full sensuous lips. And I, I feel like I know that I'm not supposed to be sexually attracted to this water wraith. Well, she sounds like the girl um, Gremlin. <laughs> That's what she sounds like. She looks like a man. <laughs> um, I love Greta Gremlin. Maybe that's, Greta Gremlin. that's really where it all comes from. Yeah, that's what I think she probably looks like. Um, but she she doesn't have a cool outfit on. She has to be nude. <sighs> so we need to get Greta her the does assault that man, and that's something that we need to come to terms with. Yeah, we need to really cancel her. <laughs> Let's get her canceled. When she just shows up in the wedding dress. <laughs> I love Gremlins 2 so much. I watched it recently, and it just holds up, man. It's so good. Sorry, we're not talking about Gremlins right now. I mean, maybe there's a whole side plot movie with the water race where they are doing a Gremlins thing, and we don't know about it. Oh, God, that would be awesome. I hope so. I mean, why else talk about her full sensuous lips and her firm, high breasts? I mean, let's let's make uh, some fanfic. I'm sure there's fanfic. Somebody tell me they, they've made a Water Wraith fanfic. Also, just real quick, speaking of fanfic and fan casting, uh-huh. uh, someone said that they thought that Sam Reed, who is uh, from the new Interview with a Vampire, should be Tamlin. Mm. And I don't know if you watched the new Interview with a Vampire, Mm-mm. but it is so fucking hot. And he is so hot. And I was like, dude, him. I'm, I'm now currently showing pictures of Sam Reed to Natalie. And oh, that's like, yeah, so... I could see him be a, I actually could see him be Lucian. Oh, I'll see him. I just want to watch him have sex. <laughs> In an interview with a vampire, you get to watch him woo, go to town inside of a coffin. And isn't that what I always wanted? Look at my cloak. Is that a sex cloak? Yeah, it's my sex cloak. Oh. Sorry, Natalie. Don't touch it. Oh, that's really, that's a fun uh, sex uh, accentuation. Just nude with the, the cloak on. Yeah, and I didn't mean to go down the Sam Reed hole, but hey. everyone look up Sam Reed if you're not familiar with the new interview with a vampire and let me know what you think. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think I, I see him as Lucian for some reason. Okay, so we learned that she's sort of, uh, she's, a, uh, she's a type of fae who lives in ponds and lakes around the spring court, and they're sort of disliked by the surface dwellers, seen as a bit shifty and greedy, which racism much, Springcourt. Yeah. Um, Tamlin welcomes the pond woman, and Feyre notes that he was as fresh as he'd been the five hours ago from previous when they had started. So he's, that's what I sort of mean by Tamlin's thriving a bit more than Feyre. He seems to be a little bit in his element um, you know, greeting the people and sitting upon the throne and doing all that. He's Which like, is crazy because, like, he constantly is just like, this wasn't made for me. I wasn't supposed to be a high lord. And then he seems to fall into being a high lord pretty easily. Yeah. And also, it seems as though... Maybe because he got his full power back, like, he doesn't feel emasculated, which is what he really needs to feel good about himself or something. Please, my lord, the fairy was saying, bowing so low that her inky hair grazed the marble. There are no fish left in the lake. Tamlin's face was like granite. Regardless, you are expected to pay. The crown atop his head gleamed in the afternoon light. The wraith continues to plead with Tamlin, but he is firm and absolute. His cold demeanor confuses Feyre. They don't need this fish that this wraith is required to provide. Why does it matter? 
Oh, Feyre, with that attitude, you're never going to make it in Silicon Valley. No, man. Feyre, you gotta be, you gotta be harsh, I guess. Or does she have to be harsh? I don't think so. I don't think that she does. <laughs> and I think that just sitting alongside Tamlin, made out of granite, while we want to have sex with that, doesn't mean that we want to be in love with that. Uh-oh. <laughs> Something's afoot. So, but I'm also just staring at pictures of Sam Reed. Yeah, so. you're over here drooling. <laughs> and I'm a, just Sam Reed. We we can't be like this. You're being a real lady gremlin right now. Oh. Um. <laughs> so, Tamlin will not relent though, and Tamlin says she has three days to figure out how to get some fish. Which I don't know if there aren't any fish in the pond. I'm kind of out of ideas of where f- to get fish from. You gotta go to a different pond. I guess. But then you're taking fish from other raids. I feel like there's a whole socio-political system we're not aware of underneath the ponds. It's probably you can't just take their fish. I'm scared of the ponds. I don't want to go anywhere near the ponds. No, they're slimy. Uh, they're really slimy. Yuck. This doesn't go over well with Thera for perhaps obvious reasons. She notes the excessive wealth surrounding them as they sit upon these thrones. He tells her sh- that he can't make an exception or else everyone else will want the same exception. She's sort of like, yeah. And we don't need any of this. Why do they have to do the tithing in the first place? Like, I get the whole, like, we have to make fuck to make sure the power and the magic keeps going in the springboard. I get that idea. But this, they don't need any of this stuff. Mm -mm. And I understand, like, I totally side with Feyre in this. Yeah, of course. This is very, it's a very superstitious slash greedy thing to do, which is how I feel about tithing in general. Um... She validly points out they're taking precious items from people when they have plenty themselves. Feyre recalls the many starving nights she and her family endured and imagines if she had also had to have paid some king a fee to simply be alive and how horrible that would have been for her family. I hate how he responds to her, which is to try to distract her by saying, our son will do the same. Isn't that exciting? Uh, you can think about your baby. So you want to be a mommy, You're mommy? You're going to be a mommy. I'm going to come in you. No, daddy. I don't want to be a mommy right now. And I'm talking about something else. I feel like he thinks that it's like a way to like, oh, they, yeah, this will get her going. This will this will keep her quiet. Yeah. yeah. I'll just start talking about knocking her up. Yeah. It's like shaking a rattle in her face. Being like, oh, look at this instead. I mean, depends on what's on the rattle. I might be amused. Mm. Oh my god, if it was like ooh, some little Swedish koalas. Fish. Oh, okay. Oh, I just meant something really cute that had like little face or like little pineapples with little faces on them. I go, oh my god. Yeah, I that's true. I, I'm hungry, so I was thinking about snacks being tangled. <laughs> Swedish fish, I also would go, ah, nah, ah, nah, ah. Yeah, it could have worked. Put it in my face. (laughs) But not telling me that I can get pregnant by him. That would not have been something to distract me from this. Um, I don't know that that's like, I don't know if Mass was inferring that he was doing that or not, but it's very dismissive. Yes. And then he uses the dreaded GOP, you know, catchphrase, giving handouts won't help her in the long run. Jesus Christ. And if there is anything that will dry me up like the Sahara Desert, it's a rich person saying a poor person needs to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Yes. Get out of here. No, and we're trying to be slick, Tamlin. Yeah. Not dry as the Sahara. No. Yuck. Gross, gross, gross. Listen, Mr. Nepo, baby. I know you've gone through a great trauma and ordeal in the last 50 years, but... 
You ain't never starved even then, okay? You no. were still being fed. You were being fed all the time because they needed you to keep your rock-hard abs together. Yeah. Feyre, much like I would, is very angry by this, and she needs to walk away and get some air before some choice words come out of her mouth. So Feyre leaves. She chases after the water wraith who's been dismissed and is crying, and she offers the wraith all of her jewelry. Faye around her are all staring, but she doesn't care. It means nothing to Feyre. She's plied with more baubles than these people they'll ever earn in their lifetimes. The wraith is at first hesitant, sure that it is another one of these fairy bargains that they all seem to love so much. And yeah, I mean, fair. They make a lot of bargains. Mm -hmm. Feyre tells her she doesn't want anything. She doesn't even want her to solve a riddle. Can you believe it? The wraith says she will not forget this kindness. And is gone. Bye, Ray. Thanks, Ray. So this—I think they just became besties. They sure did. Um, now this is a pretty cut and dry folktale moralistic device. Um, it's showing the action of a karmic deed in a clear cut way, or so we may see. It seems like maybe that's being set up here. Life doesn't usually work out that cleanly, but I do think this sort of allegory for greed is important in in storytelling especially in a world where we're facing all of these tithing billionaires who don't even know why they're collecting money. I like to see it in stories that it's still good to give away. Yes. Give stuff away and it'll come back to you in different ways. So later on that night, Tamlin is simply miffed. He's miffed that she did this. Tamlin miffed about something? Oh, my God. You don't say. (laughs) Well, was that sarcasm? He's like always pissy, but I guess he is a beast, isn't he? He is. He's got a beast's loins and heart. And <laughs> the dinner. See, you like sometimes you saw like some beast parts. I love parts of the beast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you could just give me out, just like slice off the parts I like and I'll take it home with me and I'll put it in my nest. I guess I'm Your sex the bird nest? now, dog. Oh, now you're the bird, yeah. dog. Um, so the dinner table that night is silent and icy. Finally, Tamlin and Feyre begin to argue over what's gone on that day. And Lucian just tries to stare at his food and pretend like he's not there. Tamlin accuses Feyre of making the court look weak in front of all of the Fey, which I don't know if that's the case, sir. I mean, didn't everybody else still tithe Tamlin? Get over it. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like an excuse to me. Uh, Feyre's not having it. Don't you talk to me like that. She rightly points out that he has no idea what it is to be on the verge of death by starvation and that the tradition is stupid and it's stupid to do traditions generally based solely on, well, that's what we've always done. Yeah, but Natalie, he's got daddy issues. Do you see? He definitely gets all of these things because he has to be a high lord and he didn't want to be. Well, it's nice that your daddy issues just mean that you get a bunch of free stuff. That's cool. Yeah, and the fact that you get to be a High Lord, whether you want to be or not, you're still, again, always taken care of. But is his heart taken care of? I didn't ask to be born! Uh. <laughs> um, so, Lucian, who is definitely, like, mostly on Feyre's side most of the time, mm. he starts to sort of defend her very lightly. He's trying to defuse the situation, but he, you know, he's he's trying to make Tamlin look unreasonably angry, which he is. He's saying, like, it's not that big of a deal, bro. It's all right. She's 
mentally, Feyre is in her head. She's beseeching Lucian to push back. Please stand up for me. I know you know that I'm right. Then suddenly she, as she's needling into Lucian's brain, she's not in her head anymore. She's suddenly half looking at herself. Still there, still seeing through my eyes, but also half looking through another angle in the room, another person's vantage point. Thoughts slammed into me, images and memories, a pattern of thinking and feeling that was old and clever and sad, so endlessly sad and guilt-ridden, hopeless. And then she zaps back into her full presence. We realize that she's accidentally infiltrated Lucian's mind. Whoa. I don't want to be in somebody else's brain. I'm good. I don't want to know what other people think. I don't want to know. I feel like some people when they ask like, what power would you love to wake up and have? And people like think that they would really be into something like that. And I got no, I don't want to like control your brain. I got enough issues controlling my own. I know. As somebody who suffers from intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Like, I don't want anybody in there. No, I don't want you to know what I think about. No. I'm this horny on the outside imagine what happens on the inside (laughs) oh you're worried about the horniness level well i mean amongst many other many other things um no that's a weird thing to want i'm in my opinion that's like the kind of people who try to like look at their their significant others messages and stuff uh, don't do that no um yeah, no. So she doesn't she, and she didn't want to do it. She it just kind of happened. So it startles her enough that she sort of darts from the table against Tamlin's protests. As she's leaving, she notices she's not only accidentally entered another person's mind, but she's left burn marks on the table by her hands. From where she was gripping cuz she was so angry. <gasps> she's strong. Yeah, the my brain also the my brain do people actually think, because you know in movies and stuff when you go in somebody's head and they're just having a sentence happen, my mind is a jumble of 17 things. Like, that's how people normally think, right? If you went into somebody's mind, wouldn't it just be like, blah, 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 like stu- or is that just my crate? Are you crazy? referring to Riverdale and the whole plot line where Jughead could read other people's thoughts and it was difficult for him, but then he, stopped, then he realized... Uh, that he could have full conversations because it's as if before you say literally every sentence aloud, you and your mind go, before you say every sentence aloud, which is not the truth. Riverdale. Every time <laughs> every time you bring that show up, it sounds like a, a toddler describing an imaginary adventure they just had to like an adult, the plot line. I'm just starting to get scared because it's coming back soon. I can feel its presence it's just looming here. over me. <laughs> um, that I, that's I don't I don't Is like anything you okay, said. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that a, inside a person's head it would be clear. It would just be very confusing and, and scary. Lord knows um, what happens inside of my brain. God honestly, knows. God knows. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So anyway, this year is perhaps a good example of why Reese wants Feyre to be training her capabilities. Yeah, because she burnt the table and she didn't mean to. Don't you want to have some control over yourself? Right. And so instead, Tamlin's method is saying, oh, we need to keep her small. We need to just act like nothing's happening. Which is also his way, though, of protecting her. Yes. And that is like because of his daddy issues. I mean, we all got daddy issues um, that he sees it as a way of like if she doesn't work on how strong she is and then no one would ever need to know that she's so strong. And doesn't that protect her in the long run? So I do kind of see where his head is at, but I feel like he's going about it in the wrong way. Yes. And I disagree with his method. Yes. Um because whether or not anybody wants it, her power is coursing through her. And if it, she doesn't learn how to channel it, it could become – there's dire consequences to that. So though Feyre may have felt a bit alone in those convictions about the teeth, old Barkface is there to give her bark, a Bark, 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 Oh, we got Alice Barkface coming in. Sorry, Alice. You don't deserve this. <laughs> Barkface. Buzz your girlfriend. Woof. So – Alice is there to sort of give her reassurances in a gruff way that she respects what Feyre did. Because I think Alice sort of serves as a motherly figure to Feyre through all of this or maybe like a wise wine aunt. Because, mm. um, you know, Feyre never had that figure in her life. So Alice is sort of the, the stand in for that. When Tamlin doesn't appear in her bedroom that night, she ventures out to find him and he's out in the, you know, office doing whatever Lord's paperwork there is. I guess tallying which poor people he has to slap around for being too poor. Because that's the thing. What does he do? He goes after them if they don't pay the tithe? Well, yeah, it sounds like they do, like, chase them down. And Who's got the kind of time to do it? It's a lot of effort. Um, they, but they both want this to be over and they're very apologetic and obviously they both have the desire to be making up. At the very least, Tamlin admits to her that he was wrong to become angry with her. He tells her he in fact doesn't know what it's like to be starving, which great self-awareness, Tamlin. 
Maybe this is a cue that Tamlin wants to grow and learn, which is always a sexy look. It is. You know, we always want people to grow and learn. Tamlin presents Pharaoh with a gift as an apology. She ponders whether or not it would be some sort of crown or other item to signify her not high lady status. because high ladies don't exist, according to Tamlin. And she doesn't want, she's kind of worried it's going to be a crown or something. But it's, it's actually something that she considers to be worse. Built into the box were compartments and sleeves and holders, all full of brushes and paints and charcoal and sheets of paper. A traveling painting kit. Red. The red paint inside the glass vial was so bright. The blue as stunning as the eyes of that fairy woman I'd slaughtered. The brushes were fresh, gleaming, the bristles soft and clean. Looking at that box... And what was inside felt like examining a crow-picked corpse. Normally, I would say that this is a thoughtful gift. She loves to paint. Because she likes to paint. That he's like trying to learn about her likes and wants. But that isn't actually the case here because if he was paying any attention to her. Like for a second. Yeah, like attempting to comfort her. Has she been painting, Tamlin? No. Has she been instead vomiting all night and having nightmares? Yeah. Uh, You know. Has, if he'd even tried to talk about how he was feeling to her, he might have understood that painting is not what she can do right now. She can't handle it. Um, it's almost like she was triggered, Tamlin. Yeah, um, she even asked for no red at the wedding, and then boom, there it was. It's like, oh, oh my God. It's almost as if no one is no paying attention to what she's actually going through. Listening to her. Um, and so when Feyre looks faint at the idea of painting, he seems hurt, suggesting maybe painting will help you. She challenges him, asking if the paperwork he's doing is helping him. And his inability to face the demons that he's got going on inside, he starts to lose his temper with her for trying to bring it all up. Ugh. Ugh, he just, he, he won't ignore, like, she just had to stab a giant worm to death. She was beaten up so badly, her neck was broken. She had to by hand kill two people. A little that boy were begging for their lives. But yeah, maybe painting yeah, will maybe help. Paint Tamlin. it out. Paint, paint, paint it out. That's all you got to do. Just paint it out. <laughs> but it's past the point of no return for Feyre. She is not having it. She's kept quiet. She hasn't pushed Tamlin at the request of Lucian. And because she loves Tamlin, but now here she is. She is putting it all on the table. She is falling apart. She's breaking down. And she has to get out of this house and do something to be a part of this new world that she's in. Feyre is suffocating. Good for you, girl. Right? Stand up for yourself. Uh, this was like one of the first times, too, that it was like, fine. It's like, yes. I know before it was all like the biting and the fighting back. But this is, I feel like, the first time that she's like, please. Yes. I am struggling. And even just getting to that point is such a difficult thing to do. It is. And I think a lot of us probably know that feels to finally just be that vulnerable vulnerable with somebody and sometimes you're with somebody who can't handle it um so completely dismissing her once again he says that she she's given enough already yeah obviously she has but she's not here trying to keep a, a tally of it she's trying to remain upright contributing is what will help her but he won't listen 
He says even though she's stronger now, his whole family was strong and it didn't save them. And here I can understand that kind of pain. Like he couldn't protect his family, right? He couldn't protect Feyre against Amarantha. And so, again, it's an emasculation, I guess, to him. But then to think the solution is to lock her away against her wishes, is that's a selfish thing because he wants to feel more like the big man, right? Feyre but can't, it's also thinking of what he didn't do that he couldn't protect his family, that he couldn't protect, like, the people that were, like, all of, like, the people that lived in the Supreme Court when everything got decimated by Amarantha. And I'm sure it's all this guilt that is coming out in such the wrong way. Yeah. But he's probably also like, what else can I do? Like, I feel like he is a little bit of that himbo of, like, what else am I supposed to do? I yeah. don't know. Put her away. Right. Yeah, it is a little bit of a himbo reaction because the idea of I can keep her safe if I just keep her away from the entire world is not a it's not an intellectual choice, I will say. Well, I guess he's not as like lovable as a himbo as some of the himbos we're going to be meeting soon. Who do you mm-hmm. what? We're meeting some himbos. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta control I'm yourself. Sorry. It's gonna get so much spicier want, with them. I want to get to it so like I can't <laughs> wait to get to it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just foaming at the mouth to get to it. She is. You can't see. <laughs> oh no, Natalie, take me to a doctor. <laughs> she's too horny, doctor. <laughs> um, <sighs> just imagine like the old days where it's like she's hysterical. Well, they put used her to, away. They used to masturbate women sometimes in um, masturbate institutions. <laughs> To get out their demons. And it does work. <laughs> Honestly, it does. Um, Feyre can't handle this idea of being protected in this way and locked away. And she says, then marry someone who can put up with this. Ouch. Yikes. That is a harsh, harsh thing to say. But she's trying to explain to him how dire this is for her. And his response at first is quiet, which is often scarier than rage because it's like, what's about to show up here? But also, isn't it horrible that like, no, when my husband's quiet, I'm not scared of him. Like right. the fact that she is as much I don't think that she wants to show it even inside of her brain. Like she is scared of him yes. and how he reacts. And if you ever feel like that in a relationship, get out of the relationship. But also I understand if you've been there or are there because it's really difficult to get out of something like that sometimes. But it is very – if you don't – you don't want to be terrified of the reaction of your partner for sure. So he's staying silent, but she tries to keep it going. She she won't back down from this. She's telling him that she's drowning. She's reaching out for help. She's holding her hand out to him. And then she says if he won't listen to her, she says, you might as well be shoving my head underwater. And at that expression that she said, Tamlin loses his mind. So basically her suggesting that he is causing this pain is something that is beyond his scope of understanding. And he loses his anger, his temper, which is not a good thing. His rage manifests in his power and everything in the room shatters around Feyre. She feels a shield around herself, protecting her from the shrapnel that she believes Tamlin has thrown up to protect. She believes that, like, Tamlin's done this shield to protect her from all the shrapnel, right, that, that has just gone up around the, the room. The whole room has exploded. It was over as soon as it started. Tamlin immediately is sorry. Of course he is. I mean, uh, boy, do some of us know this song and dance from different parts in our life, right? This vicious cycle. 
He's beside himself with grief and rushes to where Feyre is cowering, is cowering on the floor. And as he's trying to do that, he bounces off of something invisible around her. He stepped again, and that line held. Feyre, please, he breathed. And I realized that the line, that bubble of protection, it was from me. A shield, not just a mental one, but a physical one, too. So she's actually shielded herself in this moment. Damn, because you strong, girl. Don't you want to learn how to control it? For sure. And what a horrible thing to have to realize that you have to build magic around yourself to protect yourself from your partner throwing shit at you. That's great. Um, He begs Feyre for forgiveness, that he can't control the rage sometimes, that he'll try to be better. And then he asks if they can just forget about it and start over, which is red flags, man. All around red flags. Yeah, good. Yeah, let's not talk about it. Let's not get into therapy. Let's just forget about it. We'll just start again. This will never happen again, I'm sure. Look how sorry he is. He didn't mean to do it. Mm -mm. This gives me just yucky worms, Mm -hmm. yucky worms under my skin. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the worm that she killed. I'm talking about smaller worms. Little tiny worms. Yeah, and there's so many of them. And they're going, we don't like it, Jackie. We don't like it, Jackie. And I'm like, I know. I know, worms. Get out of here. (laughs) Um, Feyre doesn't protest, but it's not because she wants to just forget about it and move on. It's because... She's sort of learned the truth that if she is to love him, at least in this iteration of him, she can't be open. She can't tell him how she actually feels. She can't be herself. But she does love him. But and does that mean you love him if you can't be yourself around him? In this moment, she tells herself that she does. And so she concedes and lets him take her in his arms. I looked over his shoulder as I held him. The red paint had splattered on the wall behind us, and as I watched it slide down the cracked wood paneling, I thought it looked like blood. So she's doing great. You know, you're always doing good if Ooh. everything you see looks like blood. And, yeah, man. Um, it's it's and really you're scared of your husband. Yeah, and, and you're you're like I can't or, talk or to him about engaged. anything. Betrothed. Yes. Um, it's wild to me that Mass has been with her husband for most of her adult life because I feel like she's very accurate at describing a dysfunctional relationship. Oh, yes, and the and, cycles of abuse. Yeah, and I don't think she's in that. I think she has a very lovely relationship. But, yeah, she uh, maybe she's just a good writer. Maybe she did research I mean, she's in different ways. She's an amazing writer. But she really describes relationships that I've felt I was in before. Yes, um, me as well. So regardless, I think it took Tamlin almost physically assaulting her for him to to sort of let some of the guards up around the manor in an attempt to give Feyre the sense of more freedom, which is still an illusion because she can't leave the grounds. In a theme of pretending that she doesn't have magical powers, he never brings up how she shielded herself from his violence. Good, good, yeah, don't talk about it. Again, yeah, keep it all under the rug. In fact, that's what I say about yeah, relationships. Definitely sweep it under. They'll, you'll never find it. It'll no. never keep piling up under there. No, no, no. Just get a bigger rug. Get a bigger rug. In fact, the rest of the week, he's pretty much not home at all. 
she decides to spend her time and energy focusing on the training Reese has given her as homework. As the month passes by, she barely sees Tamlin. When she does, they make love, they make love. which is the way that they communicate the best. Again, mm. I've also been in those relationships before. Let's not yes. talk about anything real. Let's just scope it out, and then um, we'll pretend like the cycle doesn't continue. Yeah, and then you just watch Game of Thrones. And then you realize that scoping it out ain't always the answer. No. Um, so the week that Reese has custody of Farah, <laughs> we find her laying in bed where she is thinking about how many days she's this week not gotten out of bed till noon. A sure sign that somebody's happy. Mm. She's laying there while she hears Tamlin and Reese arguing in the hall outside of her chambers. She rises only to realize that as Tamlin has shredded her clothes that morning and they're dallying, that she needs to wrap herself in a blanket in order to see what's going on with the commotion. The thing is, is that I love, you know, as a monster fucker, I love the idea of my clothes being shredded off me. But I feel like her clothes are constantly being shredded off her. At some point, I'd be like, there's got to be a way for you to not. Can we get like like specific shredding clothes? I know that she doesn't really care about the spring court fashion anyway. Fashion, no, but please. very wasteful. Yeah, very wasteful. And I then guess, you think about the raid, having to give him some fish. I guess they're just getting all these clothes from the tithe, from all the peasants. The tithe. So at this time when Reese eyes her as she opens her door, we get a perspective of Ferris state through his reaction. Since we're in this first person, we sometimes rely on other people's reactions of her to gauge the outer world. And when Reese looks at her barely clothed, it's not a taunting or sexy or playful moment. He looks at her in anger, not at her, but apparently because she is wasting away. That she looks specifically like from the last time he saw her, like she's withering as a human being. Yeah. We've not heard this from Tamlin or from Farah's interactions with Tamlin at all. It seems this is another element of Tamlin and Farah's avoidance. But as someone who was praised for turning into bones and dust a few times in my life, he at least was wasn't yes queening her about yes, it. Yes, that is also um, that's also a difficult area to be in of like, yeah, look at her. Yeah, I love when she's just bones. I love my bones girlfriend. Yeah. Clickety clack clack. Clickety clack clack clack. She's so cold all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I tell her to put on more socks. I love a woman in socks. <laughs> Layers of socks. Uh, so they just, they're not saying anything about her shriveling away. They're just sort of ignoring it. Like they're doing with everything else. But through Reese's eyes, we see how bad she looks and Reese doesn't seem happy at all with Farah shriveling away in that in that moment when but I'm glad because he doesn't put his anger toward her he puts it toward Tamlin yes while he's there he both manages to get into Farah's head mostly as a cautionary warning which she proceeds to slam shut her mind against him due to his training and he also taunts Tamlin for being able to penetrate the spring court's wards undetected which is Kind of a euphemism, isn't it? That he can penetrate his ward so easily. Jack is going to get so much more sexual here. We got to ramp it up. <laughs> 
In these last moments before Feyre is whisked away, Tamlin basically begs Reese to end the bargain that he'll give him anything. Reason says he already has everything he wants, and he zaps away with Feyre. And I do feel like this scene, Tamlin is getting a bit cucked completely here, not only from the euphemisms that Reese is saying, but that basically saying, I don't need anything. I have your relate. I have your girl <laughs> and just leaves. And he's just like, oh, oh man, come on. Oh. Of course, that's not how he reacts. He ra- reacts with such couth, I'm sure. But he also is sort of defeated in these moments. And it is very cuckolded, I will say. It is cuckolded of him. Mm-hmm. Feyre arrives back at the Moonstone Palace, and I say once again, someone is leaving money on the table, not creating this as a resort I want to live there. Mm -hmm. Please, I'll pay whatever I have to. I'll do it. This time, opposed to her last rage-filled righteous attitude that she had last time, she is deflated. She has no energy and I mean, get this girl some pre-workout or something. She's yeah, hungry. Maybe she needs like a green juice. Yeah, she's not eating. Reason sh- Reese tries to needle her into playing with him with that sort of flirtatious arguing that they do back and forth because that's what they're, you know, that's what's happening when they're having that sort of like angry tete-a-tete. Yes, when they're the just tete-a-tete. kind of like, Ooh, oh, yes. Yes. I said, don't you have other things to deal with? Of course I do, he said, shrugging. I have so many things to deal with that I'm sometimes tempted to unleash my powers across the world and wipe the board clean just to buy me some damned peace. He grinned, bowing at the waist. Even that casual mention of his power failed to chill me. Awe me. But I'll always make time for you. So this is sort of a... like really powerful. Yeah, and he's flirting with her. But she's not into it, like not in a way that she feels like sexually inappropriate. It's that she's just too tired to do anything. She's exhausted from what she's just went through. But she was depressed. Yes. She's traumatized. And but she at least relents enough to eat something, which is good. But she won't give him an inch otherwise. He tries to push to find out why he's getting so little from between their their bond, their bargain bond through the tattoo, except for every once in a while, an occasional terror feeling. But she only says that she decided she is not going to work with him because he asked her to think about it last time. In her head, she reflects on how she wants to make it work with Tamlin. So that's she is going to refuse Reese's uh, request to work with him. Because I'm sure she also felt bad for like being a part of like cucking him in that moment. Sure. Too. Because she still does love Tamlin. This week in the uh, Moonstone Palace is mostly resoundless. She proves to him that she has been practicing and seems to, he seems to decide to give her some space since she's going through some sort of internal conflict. Honestly, again, it sounds like she's mostly on a vacation here. She's just left to read her books in one of those beautiful mountaintop rooms and luxuriate, I'm sure, in the bathtub. I'm just assuming. Oh, God. That's what I'd be doing. Does that sound great? Yeah. At the end of the week, Reese returns and tries to push her again. He joins her in her little book nook and with a with a plate of food for her. He teases her again by doing that annoying thing where someone tries to hand you something and then keeps pulling it away when you reach for it, except with magic, which is very annoying. Yeah, but he's like dallying with her. He is. He confronts her. 
Does anyone even care that you're wasting away at the spring court? He did care. Tamlin did care. Perhaps too much. He's giving me space to sort it out, I said, with enough of a bite that I barely recognized my voice. As he pushes her, we watch her sink further deeper inside of herself, and he says, She wins. Reese breathed. That bitch wins if you let yourself fall apart. She starts to get angry at this. So he continues to needle. Obviously, he's talking about Amarantha. Amarantha, that bitch. Um, He continues to needle, and she begins to feel a rage, an icy rage, to be exact, come over her and realizes that she's, as she's throwing the book in her hand at his head, that her fingertips have produced ice and coated it with frost. Oh, my God. It's just like she's Captain Planet. She really is. Uh, Do you think that soon she's going to have a monkey? I hope so. Heart. Were you always always heart? No, I just always thought that one was kind of the odd one out. Yeah, but that was the one with the monkey, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was the one with the monkey. I just wanted the monkey. Yeah, me too. Now, as an adult, I realize it's not good to have a monkey. Morally good, no. No. And I really wanted one. No. Yeah. Sometimes we don't get what we even if you're hot. Even if you're hot. But I guess uh, Feyre could get a monkey if she wanted to. I don't know if they have monkeys in Prithian. Um, <laughs> Just Google it. Do they have monkeys in Prithian? <laughs> well, fine. Well, if we ever get to interview Sarah, we'll ask her. Um, Which we are going to and putting it out into the world. Nice. Can't wait to be your friend, Sarah. Manifesting. Um, so instead of being angry, recent looks relieved as though putting some fight into her was the point all along. Just like under the mountain, the way that he shocked her by licking her tears away, he's jolted her with some sort of feeling inside. He flirty fade tells her that he is here for her if he ever, if she ever wants to play. But Feyre doesn't have the harder energy to respond. And I realized I was in a free fall with no end. I had been for a while, from the moment I'd stabbed that fey youth in the heart. I didn't look up at him again as I devoured the food. Feyre seems to feel quite torn and a bit heartbroken in in that she's sort of just given up. I think we've all felt that at one time or another. I most relate this feeling to the time period mid-lockdowns. Oh, my God. And also just remembering, too, she's, what, 19? Yeah. 20? Like, think about when you were 19 or 20, and then plus going through all of this. It's already hard enough just being like, I don't know my place in the world. I don't know where what I'm doing or where I'm going or, or like who where I'm home, going to become. What home is, where yes. home is, for, for sure. Um yeah, I definitely connect that most. That is how I felt mid-lockdown, where you just sort of stare off at a wall and you're just, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, sure, whatever. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go b- make a puzzle. I don't know what else to do. That empty feeling of not knowing anything about your future. Yeah. So, plus the fact that she's just been recently brutally traumatized. She was, like, murdered, so she just got murdered. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's taken back to the spring court the next morning. Feyre sees the, the primal rage and fear in Tamlin as she approaches, and she comes to the realization that the loosening of the guards and sentries is over for her. Reason simply says, fight it, and it is gone. 
In this scene, Tamlin is defeated, emasculated. And in the grand tradition of toxic masculinity, Yay. he takes it out on his partner. Oh, good. It, this is her choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, all this stuff happening to her right now was her choice. Like, that's the thing, too. Thinking of where she is because nothing that is happening to her at all is anything that she has chosen. No. No, definitely not. Oh. <sighs> it hurts my chest. I know. This part, like, in, in breaking it down made me more upset than the reading of it. Yeah. You go, this part's quick, but it is really important to the storyline. Um, so when, he's, when I say he's taking it out on his partner, it's not in violence in this instance, but trying to control her. He calls it protecting her. Yeah, protecting her. her. But what he's doing is trying to reclaim some sense of his perceived manliness or manhood by treating her like a child, despite the fact that she is a powerful being. Yes. Who took a whole ass evil empire down. Yes. Women, right? <sighs> Women's Day. It's women's. Is it women? No, it's over no, now. it's over. It's women's over, day so it's over. not our day anymore. It's not, a, it's not Women's Day. But she did. Imagine it's like if Indiana Jones just got finished defeating the Nazis and then Marion Ravenwood handed him a little parasol and was like, good job. You like hats, don't you? Why don't you go pick some hats out? You did such a good job fixing the Nazis. But then there's a bunch of snakes on the hats and then she makes him say it again. Come on, say it. Uh, say the line. I hate, say I hate it. snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> no, say it like you said it before. I hate snakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but that's what he's doing. This this powerful being, he's trying to make her little, and she's not. No. In the days that follow, Feyre is pretty ghost-like, though she's become a reading pro, so she's at least got books as a form of escapism. Just like so much. Oh yeah. Also, this was like how it felt for me reading these books during, during COVID. COVID. Yes. Oh my God, do you think she's reading, reading a, a book, book about, about us? us? <gasps> Sarah, is she? Sarah, do you want to be our friend? Is she reading a book about us? <laughs> like making a podcast about the books that she's involved in? Oh my How meta God, are we going to get meta. here? <laughs> um, so she wonders if this is going to be her eternity, just pacing the halls of this manner, which sounds horrible. Furthermore, she's fully in an intrusive thoughts queen at this point. And one day she sees Ianthe and Lucian and thinks she's seeing Amarantha down the hall. So she's like, ha, ha. As her body's having a reactionary response to that fear, her body, her hands begin to grow the talons that are similar to Tamlin's. And nobody notices but Lucian because nobody's ever paying any fucking attention to Feyre. Lucian always is. He is. But he can't do anything about it because his hands are tied as well. Yeah, I'm. A, it still makes me a little mad here because he he. So okay, basically at this point he pulls her aside, and he asks her how long it's been happening. She says it's the first time for the claws. Through their quick conversation, it's clear that Lucian understands that her powers are forming and that there's no way to stop them. She, he, that he understands that training them is the sensible thing to do here instead of trying to ignore it like Carrie's mom does when she gets her period. Oh, my God. Because that's what it sounds like. How long yeah. has it been happening? Like somebody's afraid their daughter's becoming a woman. They're just right. like, don't, uh, we don't talk about it. Just plug it up and don't look. And there's like a, a sense of shame about it as well yeah. where, you know, this shouldn't be shameful. You should be celebrated for having such cool fucking powers. They're not dude. dirty pillows. They're breasts. They're breasts. They're not dirty pillows. <laughs> Hold up. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So that evening, Feyre overhears the heated argument happening between Lucian decides he is going to approach them about letting Feyre train. And she hears Lucian, Tamlin, and Ianthe arguing about it. It's two against one, siding on not allowing Feyre to train. Well, so why is Ianthe a part of this conversation? Get out of here, bitch. She's really inserting herself a lot. And also, the not allowing her is gross. She is an adult woman. And she's got these powers. So, I mean, they're going to manifest in some way. Shouldn't you be scared of that? Yeah. And again, they're trying to pretend like she hasn't gotten her fairy period. Ianthe says that she doesn't want Feyre to be hunted, that she's worried that she'll be abducted for breeding purposes because of her accumulated powers. And Lucian points out that this would be foolish because if anybody, any of the courts tried to kidnap her and do that, that it would be all the other courts would attack them. Um, But Ianthe contends that Reese would do something like this. So she's basically warning that Reese is conniving and calculating and we have to be careful around him. And we don't know yet. Maybe he is. We don't know enough about him. Reese could be soothing Farah because he's about to pounce. Ianthe suggests that they commit a preemptive attack on the night court instead because of what this bargain. What are you talking about? Well, Lucian shuts that down. Yeah, because you know who's like really, really, really strong? The High Lord of the Night Court, Ianthe. Yeah, and it seems like a little bit rash to start a, an entire war about, about this. And also, 
it doesn't seem like that's a long-term plan to just keep hiding Feyre's powers. Lucian is trying. He's pushing him back and and all of these things keep coming up. Lucian keeps saying, well, but this and this and this. This is why we need to train her, but they're not listening. We're not assassins. Lucian had cut in. Reese is what he is, but who would take his place? My blood went cold, and I could have sworn ice frosted my fingertips. Interesting that that was her reaction to that. Lucian pleads once more, trying to appeal to Tamlin's desire to keep Feyre safe. No. Tamlin says no. He, he forbids, forbids it. it. There's some, just also that, too. Just like, come on. She's an adult. Like, she technically doesn't need his permission to train. No, she doesn't. But not. she's trying to work with him. She, she loves because him. Because she still loves him. And she's grateful for all he's done. But that's never a good reason to, like, be in a relationship because you're grateful for what they've done. Um, no, but think of the power dynamic of that, like that she does feel like she like owes so much to Tamlin. Yeah. So that's all wrapped up into the guilt that we just feel sometimes. And it's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. care of yourself, girl. Mm-hmm. Well, when Feyre hears all this from outside the door, they don't know she's listening. She folds in on herself. It's not a, a thing where she comes in to try to defend herself. She gives up. She basically just doesn't want to beg, doesn't want to argue. She walks back to her room and she closes the door. The next morning, there are guards surrounding her every move when she walks out of the room. She again paces the halls, walks the gardens, and there's just sentries everywhere. Suddenly, as she's contemplating what to do next, she encounters Tamlin and Lucian strapping in for a journey. Tamlin says they have to go inspect the western sea border, that there's suspicious movement out there. Feyre decides to pull a Hail Mary here, or I guess a Hail Mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think cauldron. Think the cauldron. <laughs> and she just says, can I come with you? Well, how do you think that goes? I don't think it goes well. I don't think it does. Because Tamlin daddy is not. Go- I'm sorry, Tamlin father is not going. Yeah, to he's allow Tamlin. It. He's being Tamlin father. He ain't for no sure. daddy to no. me. Excuse me. Um, she begins to formulate because she he immediately shuts her down. She begins to formulate a plan in her head to follow them, and Tamlin kind of suspects it because he sees her eyes like kind of planning something that back there, and. He immediately shuts that down. He's like, don't even try to follow us. They begin to argue, and he again tries to placate her by suggesting she go for a horse ride. Yeah, just wouldn't that just soothe you? You don't need to go on an adventure. You don't need to go help or do something significant. Just go Go play. Go have a play date with somebody with all of her non-friends. Oh, Barkface has got too many things to do. It's like Mary Lennox again, he's, but he's she's not a little girl. He's like, why don't we get you a? You mean what she's walking on broken glass? Walking on, walking That's Annie on Lennox. broken glass. Beep, bop, bop, beep. Get it? That's Annie Lennox. Oh, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're related, though. I don't know. Oh my god. She doesn't want to do this. She doesn't want to play housewife. She doesn't want to be coddled. She wants a partner. God damn it. That girl who had needed to be protected, who had craved stability and comfort, she had died under the mountain, 
I had died, and there had been no one to protect me from those horrors before my neck snapped. So I had done it myself, and I would not, could not, yield that part of me that had awoken and transformed under the mountain. I was not the human girl who needed coddling and pampering, who wanted luxury and easiness. I didn't know how to go back to the craving those things, to being docile. Preach yes, Farah. bitch. Farah knows what she fucking wants, right? She, she doesn't want this, and he will not yield to her pleas, so she changes her strategy. She doesn't ask. She tells him. But this is also the first time, too, that she's acknowledged the fact that, like, yeah, I died. Like, who I thought I was died. I am a different person than who I used to be. And I feel like she also wasn't coming to terms with that Mm -hmm. because no one was asking her any questions about this. And maybe I'm digging way too deep into this, maybe because of my own personal past and traumas. But, like, I'm proud of her for being like, yes, I'm not that person anymore. And I need something different than what is going on. Yeah. And I would even assert that she never necessarily was a girl who wanted pampering, but she was trying to make herself that because she loved Tamlin. So she says, I am going with you. And she starts to march towards them until she slams into an invisible wall. Tamlin, she whispers. She cries, Tamlin, What is this? But he ignores her. And she realizes that he's put a shield around the border of the house. That when she tries to go after them, she is in a prison. What is she going? What is she, a guinea pig? I mean, for real. Does she have one of those little water bottles she suckles out of? Oh, my God. It would be cute. Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) But he ignores her. He doesn't even answer her. She pleads with as she's saying, Tamlin, please, Tamlin. He doesn't even turn around. And it, she realizes that whether or not intentional, Tamlin has made it so that she can't use her powers against him because she doesn't know how to use them. She's strong enough to break through that barrier, but she does not have the wisdom. And so whether or not he meant to, he has made it so that she can't go against him with those powers. And as such, she has become his prisoner, once again in a cell, albeit a prettier one. This evokes in my, you know, in me images of Rapunzel and the mm. folktale Bluebeard. But just imagery-wise, I don't think that was ever the intention with masks. Um, Rapunzel. But is if you a, ever want to let us know, Sarah, you can just tell us what yeah. you were thinking about during this. Yeah. What were you thinking about? Um, and we'll all sit on our bellies and we'll have our hands like this on our chin. <laughs> And we'll swing, we'll flip our feet around. Yeah, we'll talk really about bullies. Yeah, we will. Um, so I, uh, Rapunzel, of course, most people know is, 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 you know, trapped in the tower, but it's by a sorceress, not her lover. And the Bluebeard uh, folktale is a really badass story that was turned into an opera. And I actually once did a ballet version of it Ooh. about a nobleman whose wives keep disappearing and his seventh wife is given the keys to his house. But she's like stuck in the house as he goes to do his nobleman shit. And he says, you can go anywhere in the house, but this one locked door. Guess what was back there? All the missing wives that he had. Before. Whoa. So we'll come back to that in a second. You think he'd like get him out of the house. No, he's got a he's got Why a would you keep their room. bones in there? 
Probably just to like admire them. Lord over them. Yeah. And go, ah, my many bones. My bones. Bone wipes. Clackety, clack, clack, clackety, clack. He likes a bone wife. Yeah. So Feyre is trapped. Tamlin ignores her cries and Lucian, who knows better, then he knows that this is awful and wrong. Yes. But he tells her once again to give Tamlin some time to deal with this. Excuse me, sir. He's always his champion. And like, because again, talk about that guilt. Lucian feels that for Tamlin because he feels he owes Tamlin his life and everything. Yeah. So he's always going to go to support Tamlin Mm -hmm. because they're bros. And he's also like going to demure to his high lord. Yes. Um, Which in this instance, he shouldn't, which is why people in power need to have have people who will push back on them because and not just be surrounded wrong. by yes man exactly yes fay yes fay <laughs> um so they then they are they're off they disappear they leave her as she's in this panic and as someone who had just gone through this terrible imprisonment trauma this is such a fucked up thing to do to somebody she is she can't breathe she's she's starting to feel the walls closing in she's on having her. like a panic attack yes she's having a panic attack uh, suddenly her senses lock up and she begins to exude this thick black night from all around her. She's freaking out. She's grasping for something in her power to help her escape. And it's like fireworks are going off in her body, uncontrollable and powerful. But since she didn't learn how to use any of it, it can't help her. But I was ensconced in a cocoon of darkness and fire and ice and wind. A cocoon that melted the ring off my finger until the golden ore dripped away into the void, the emerald tumbling after it. I wrapped that raging force around myself as if it could keep the walls from crushing me entirely and maybe, maybe buy me the tiniest sip of air. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. And then she feels hands wrap around her, cradling her close, a female's body. But she can't see. She can hardly feel. For a moment, she is afraid that it's Amarantha from the grave coming to finally retrieve her. But then she hears her speak. It's the Morrigan. It's more. Alice, her mothering figure. Barkface. Old Barkface, who's not fully loyal to the Spring Court, if you'll recall. Tells Moore to take care of Feyre. And then she and Moore are gone. She is taken away somewhere else that she doesn't recognize and then is handed off to another pair of arms. But a sweeter, softer shade of night caressed me, stroking my nerves, my lungs, until I could at last get air inside, until it seduced me into sleep. Feyre awakens in the Moonstone Palace with Reese sitting across from her. She doesn't really remember what happened, but Reese reassures her that she didn't hurt anyone. She simply exploded her emotions. Again, kind of like Carrie. Yeah. But this time she didn't burn a building to the ground with a bunch of people in it. Somehow, even with her shields up, Reese had heard her in her panic. That's how powerful she is. Mm -hmm. Like that was how much of a a terror she was in that he heard through the bond. And he uses and utilizes an old treaty to retrieve her via Morgan. Some sort of legal loophole that says that since he technically didn't take her from the spring court, instead they took her out of through the summer court. That Reese doesn't have immediate, or that Tamlin doesn't have immediate legal ground to go to war with the Night Court. Also, that's why, like, 
Reese himself couldn't have done yeah. it or else it definitely would have been. Because he's the High Lord. He's the High Lord. So the High Lord can't, like, infringe on his property, essentially. That's what they're saying. Yucky yuck. Yeah. So Feyre isn't sure what to do or how to feel in this moment. She tells Reese that she's got no place else to go. I've got no place else to go. Uh... Farley anyone wins yeah. war two. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually that's also a parody of an officer and a gentleman, but I only think of it as Wayne's World 2. Mm. I got no place else to go. <laughs> oh, um, that was good. It's like I was watching the movie. It's like I'm Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. He says that she's under no obligation to go back to the Spring Court unless she wants to, because this is not a part of their bargain. This is something different. He gives her an offer then, not a bargain. But an offer, if she wants to stay and help him, he will give her food, shelter, and clothing in exchange for the assistance in the upcoming war. Feyre is shell-shocked, but after a moment of deliberation, I'm not going back. The words rang in me like a death knell. So, at, at least at this time, she has decided that she's not returning to the spring court. She needs to give some some time and energy to her feelings and sorting them out. She does love Tamlin, but he did this terrible thing. And also, good for her. Go get some perspective. Yeah. We need that perspective sometimes. Yep. And this thing that he did was so painful, and he didn't seem to care what it was doing to her. Or at least he couldn't face it. He was rationalizing it. Mm. What Reese's game is currently, we don't know. But for now, he is giving her a place to rest, recover, and challenge her abilities. She asks him a bevy of questions about her powers, and he doesn't hesitate on responding in kind. So in the contrast to what was going on in the Supreme Court, she's saying, what is this? How is this working? And he is just boom, 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 giving her the answers. And not just keeping it from her to protect her. It's like, no, how do you protect yourself? By having the knowledge. Yes. And also... Having somebody around you who respects you enough to give you that information. Maybe that's for his own, you know, maybe Reese is using this for his own druthers, but he's still giving her information, knowledge. And that's what I, when I mentioned Ble- uh, Bluebeard back there, it wasn't only. Oh, call, 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 call back. <laughs> Was that we, too much? Do we, do we need a callback stinger? <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Um, it wasn't only because of the locking away part. I think it's safe to say at this point in A Court of Mist and Fury, it's partly inspired by the Persephone abduction myth. Hades, the king of the underworld, is in love with the beautiful Persephone, so he steals her away. This causes the mother of Persephone, who is Demeter, to despair. As, as she control, And as she controls the harvest, she creates what is essentially winter. So beyond this story being a part of the seasonal mythology, courts anybody... While Persephone is trapped in the underworld with Hades, Zeus demands her return. But Hades tricks Persephone into eating pomegranate seeds. Twilight, anybody? A forbidden fruit, if you will. Because of this, she is required to spend one quarter. Don't talk about Twilight. (laughs) That was very delayed. delayed. (laughs) That was so delayed. (laughs) (laughs) We're not in forks. (laughs) Um, <laughs> because of the, the stealing of the forbidden fruit, she is required to spend one quarter of the year in the underworld, i.e. winter. It's most likely not coincidental that in many versions of the Adam and Eve myth in Genesis. The sex toys? 
<laughs> no, the um, before sex toys, there was a story in whoa. this book called The Beeble. Never heard of it. Um, so in the Adam and Eve myth, religious religious scholars believe the apple Eve takes is actually potentially a pomegranate, as it would have been written in the Middle East where pomegranates would have been local. Maybe they didn't want to use that because it would have been so hard for her to eat. And she'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do, Satan. I got all these seeds. Man, I love a pomegranate, though. Just like spitting the seeds into the ground. No, you chew on them. Do you chew the seeds? Yeah. I love Do you swallow the seeds? Yeah. Man, I learned a lot today. Pomegranates are good. I guess I've always been against pomegranates because I thought you were supposed to just go and then like no, you eat all. Something new every day. They're delicious. I love a tart fruit. That's why I love you, Jackie. I'm the tart fruit. I mean, I am tartish and I am fruity, so you would be right. Um, but anyway, it's believed that there is a there's a syncretic relationship between not only the Persephone myth, but also the Pandora's box myth with combined the Adam and Eve myth. Like those all sort of are intertwined in a lot of ways. And just like the way Hellraiser. That, yep. Just like it. And then the Cenobites come in and they go. It's a different kind of box. Um, Different kind of box. But kind of I mean, it's the same kind of actually idea that box is because it is a Pandora's box and that you're trying to like get the secrets out of it. Mm. But um those all of those, you know, the Adam and Eve myth, the the Persephone myth, the Pandora's box are all folk tales that were woven into books. And um you guys probably already know what the Pandora's box myth is, but it's a, it's a Greek mythology where Pandora is considered the first woman made by Zeus. So it is basically the Adam and Eve myth. Um her curiosity leads her to look inside this box, which is actually a jar in the original translations. And it is said to have released all the bad things in the world. But in all of these myths, all of those, the apple, the pomegranate, uh, you know, all of these things, even in Twilight, it's if women could just keep their mouths shut. Yes, it is. And we never will. No. Unfortunately, we've released the Pandora's jar. Um, but yeah, it really what those stand for is information, understanding. Bluebeard, Persephone, Eve, Pandora, what do they all have in common? A woman trying to attain knowledge and being punished for it. Here we have Feyre desperate to harness her own power and a man afraid to allow her to reach her capacity. And so he must stifle it down create a punishment system for her own good. Mm. You could look at Reese's tattoo bargain as the forbidden fruit that forces her to come into the underworld, a.k.a. the night court, for a quarter of every month. Perhaps viewing Hades' deception of Persephone through the lens of trying to sneak her knowledge, which is what he's doing through this bargain. Granted, this isn't, you know... Akamath is not a complete literal retelling of the Persephone myth because that would have entailed Reese being the one who kidnapped Feyre and technically that was Tamlin who kidnapped her. Um, but so I would say if you're digging this, check out Lore Olympus, which I started reading, which is a graphic novel. It's like a sexy graphic novel that is the story of Hades and Persephone Ooh. and like they're a forbidden love that cool. can't have each other. All right. Fine. I will. Um so, yes, th- this is Reese's sort of representative of the 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 dark carnal knowledge that Tamlin doesn't want Feyre to get to, to keep her pure and safe. 
Um, and also, you know, fuck all these stories. They all just tell you that women shouldn't learn anything. So... Because they're scared of our power. They're I scared mean, of what we unleash. Because we are so strong. We must be unleashed. And then you're never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get that one day out of the year. Wow. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, wasn't it? Oh. Back down into the trenches we go. Uh, I, I was allowed out for the whole day. Mm-hmm. Back in the trenches. Now we're back in the mines. <laughs> just making podcasts. Um, so... But now our our Persephone in this story has decided she is just going to go chill down in the underworld for a while. And it has a great view and that bathtub. Oh, my God. So I don't blame her. And it's warm on the inside, but you're looking at the snow-capped mountains around you. Oh, take me there. Please. Reese is set to leave her to herself for a few days on the mountain where she could presumably gather her thoughts. This is like another way that I think it's so cool and how mass writes that like Reese leaves her to give her time for herself to like collect her thoughts and then comes back and wants to talk about it but whenever Tamlin leaves her it's an abandonment Mm -hmm. and it's the way that like the way the two are written is so interesting that Reese embodies this like freedom Mm -hmm. rather than feeling like she's trapped in this mountain like because inside of Feyre's brain like she never like except like says that she feels trapped there by any and like he makes it her choice. He asked her multiple times of just like, this is your choosing. You're mm-hmm. choosing to be here, right? And she's like, yes, I want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, a consent king. Oh my god, a consent king. <laughs> um, so he that is Reese's intention to leave her to be to think, but she has other plans. Take me with you. Reese stops in his tracks. He suggests one more time that she rests again, but Feyre has rested enough. She is rested, Reese. Well, she actually hasn't. She's exhausted mentally. But she doesn't want to be left alone with nothing to do but think. Girl, I've been there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried a bar? Yeah, man. Start drinking. Well, she can't drink yet. Well, I don't know what are the legal aid. I guess they could get some mead. I guess if I you're in the night can. court, you could get something. If, if you've taken down an entire kingdom, you can have a drink. M- maybe. Um, maybe. If you ask Tamlin really yeah, nicely. Politely. So uh, she, you know, he gives her one more suggestion to rest. And she says just once, please. After a moment, Feyre gets her answer. She's to come with Reese. If she's to come with Reese, she will be witnessing a great and powerful secret, one that she must take to her grave. If not, many people will die. That's a lot. It's a lot. But he says you can. It's just with these parameters. She can't bear the thought of being alone. So she agrees to his terms. He smiles and says, we leave in 10 minutes. That's all you're going to give a girl to get herself together. You know, they make, I didn't put it here, but then he makes a joke that she took 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she says, where are we going? Reese's smile widened into a grin. To Valaris, the city of starlight. Goosh, 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 goosh. Take me to Valaris, please. Goosh, goosh, goosh. Yeah. Oh, um, Christina Aguilera over yep. here. <laughs> That's me. I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. You know, I mean, for those of you that are listening, um, Natalie did a genie in a bottle move. 
come, come, come and let me into the city of starlight. Mm. But a city? How can that be? Amarantha destroyed so much of Prithian. And yet, Feyre is too bone-tired to even really question it, just as long as she doesn't have to be locked up in a tower alone. She gathers herself and allows Reese to whisk her away into the darkness between worlds. When they land at their destination, they're certainly not in a city of starlight, but of sunlight. And she's unmistakably in a house, a lived-in house. There's color, light, books, beauty, a welcoming dining table. The house is long and slim the way a house might be in a city, a townhouse. This house, this house was a home that had been lived in and enjoyed and cherished. And it was in a city? <gasps> That's where, where we, we end! No! <laughs> we have to end here because part two begins. No! Yep. So yes, we're going to be going into part two, the House of Wind, next episode. I want to be there now, and I want to be living in it. You have to edge until next episode. I'm edged. I hope that everyone is edging along with me because I feel edged right now. And I want to also say thank you to those of you that cannot, couldn't handle the edging. And I've been hit up by many a person that was like, loved what you guys are doing. I immediately read right past it because yeah. I had to keep going because that's what these books do. And um, thank you guys for just being along with the ride. I know. Us, we've been man. getting so many fun conversations. Comments and messages Dude, from all of you, you and it's just really fun to to Bay have Bay's this little down. Bay Bay's getting down, enjoying this little reprieve from um, the shit show of the planet, and going to Prithian is really fun, and we're really thankful that you're doing this with us. And um, please just keep reaching out and listening. And thank you guys. That's all I got today. I'm tired. Yeah, you look great though. You look great. Thank you. It's the cloak. The cloak does wonders for the loins. Oh, God, we're about to get so horny, y'all. I'm scared. <laughs> Please read up until chapter 19 or page 204 in the paperback. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only. Featuring Reed Failer and Andrew Short. Come here. He growled, so roughly the words were barely discernible. I pushed back the blankets, revealing my already naked body, and he hissed. Hiss! His features turned ravenous while I crawled across the bed and rose up on my knees. I took his face in my hands, the golden skin framed on either side by fingers of ivory and swirling black and kissed him. This, this moment, when it was him and me and nothing between our bodies, his tongue scraped the roof of my mouth as he dragged a finger down the center of me, <laughs> and I gasped, my back arching. Fire. Fairy? Fire? That's a dumb way to spell it. <laughs> He said against my lips, my name like a prayer more devout than any yanth had offered up at the cauldron <laughs> on that dark solstice morning. Of course. Tamlin, I begged. 
He palmed my breast, his thumb flicking over my nipple. I cried out, and he buried himself in me with a mighty stroke. (laughs) For a moment, I was nothing, no one. Ooh. Then... We were fused, two hearts beating as one, and I promised myself it always would be that way as he pulled out a few inches, the muscles of his back flexing beneath my hands, and then slammed back into me again and again. (laughs) What? So I promised myself it would always be this way. It will always be like getting fucked. Anyway. I, I arched my back urging his hand lower, and he chuckled roughly. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't quite hear myself speak as I focused on the fingers that obeyed my silent command. What will everyone call me then? He grazed my belly button as he leaned down, sucking the tip of my breast into his mouth. Hmm? He said, and the rumble against my nipple made me writhe. Is everyone just going to call me Tamlin's wife? Do I get a title? He lifted his head long enough to look at me. Do you want a title? Before I could answer, he nipped at my breast, then licked over the small hurt, licked as his fingers at last dipped, between my legs. He stroked lazy, taunting circles. No! I gasped out. But I don't want people. Cauldron boil me his damned fingers. I don't know if I can handle them calling me, high lady. His fingers slid into me again, and he growled in approval. I approve. <laughs> I approve wet- of this. <laughs> and the wetness between my thighs, both from me and him. They won't. He said against my skin, positioning himself over me again and sliding down my body, trailing kisses as he went. There is no such thing as a high lady. He gripped my thighs to spread my legs wide, lowering his mouth and... What do you mean there's no such thing as a high lady? Have they met Jackie? <laughs> I've been yeah, high. That. Okay, a little bit of a weed joke. Some Come on, people smoke back. a, 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 a <laughs> okay. uh, We have fun. The heat, his touch, all of it stopped. He looked up from between my legs, and I almost climaxed at the sight of it. But what he said, what he'd implied, (laughs) he kissed the inside of my thigh. High lords only take wives, consorts. There has never been a high lady. But Lucian's mother... She's lady of the autumn court, not a high lady. Just as you will be lady of the spring court, they will address you as they address her. They will respect you as they respect her, like Harvey Firestein is just (laughs) eating pussy in the scene. (laughs) He lowered his gaze back 
to what was inches away from his mouth. So, Lucian's... I don't want to hear another Mal's name on your lips right now. He growled and lowered his mouth to me. At the first stroke of his tongue, I stopped arguing. <laughs> hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.